0: Hey guys, Alex Lux here for Classic Camera Revival, and we shoot a lot of prime lenses around the table, um, but sometimes you just don't want to be fiddling around with three or four lenses in any situation. You just want something that can do it all, and that's where Zoom Lenses comes in, and that's what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show.
0: So, starting it off, we are going to uh, go back to Nikon, sorry guys, and we are going to be talking about a series of lenses that isn't exactly well-liked by a lot of people, but
1: are surprisingly good, and that is the Series E lenses. Thanks, Alex. I'm gonna be talking about a an interesting lens. Like the lens itself is interesting, but also its Jekyll and Hyde reputation online. I'm talking about the seventy five to one fifty F three point five Nikon, not Nikor, Nikon Series E lens. And this was a set or a series of uh AIS lenses that came out to go with the Nikon EM, which um was their Entry into the sort of the inexpensive beginner, hate to say it, it was sexist marketing for the little ladies to use, because uh, the Nikon F was just too much for their sensitive fingers. So is
2: this Mike Bataxis' first camera? <laughs>
3: Come on now, yes. I did not touch Nikon.
4: Okay,
1: now you just break out in hives and yeah, oh, insert have a seizure. finger yeah. reference here, and I. I actually have I have I was given a couple of them, uh, one works, the other one sort of works, um, but anyway, back to the lens and the series of lenses. it's a, it's a real mixed bag. These, these uh, even though it's not a zoom, I'll just quickly mention the fifty one point eight series E, real sleeper bargain lens. Uh, the seventy five to one fifty. There are some people who say it's a cult lens and that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. There are other people who say it's about as good a gl- piece of glass as a half-melted uh, ice cube. Um, it's and I've, I find somewhere in the middle. It's what I like the seventy-five to one-fifty focusing range. It's good for like if you're doing a casual portraiture session. It's really good. Its performance. It's not garbage. It's not the second coming of Christ either. It's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, it tends. <laughs> A whole other group of people I can piss off now.
2: Uh, we're going to just talk about religion and politics for the rest of this episode. You,
3: you do realize we're talking about zoom lenses and the second coming of Christ. I mean, yeah. really? <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, Film is alive. I'm going to have some editing to do. Um, so I find that this lens, it's better towards 75 than it is at, at the 150. Um, at the 150, the edges tend to be a bit on the soft side. But hey, if you're shooting portraiture, no big deal. From a mechanical point of view, uh one good thing is that F three point five it's is constant aperture from seventy five to one hundred fifty, it does not uh sink. That's the, lovely. The the biggest problem that this lens has is uh it has zoom creep. It's sort of that nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, like they call the trombone style. Uh you know, the sliding push, barrel, push pull, push pull, push, push pull,
2: push in,
1: in integrated focus, yeah. And hopefully, you yeah. can
3: extend the lens hood too to cover the end so <sighs> it's protected.
1: But the problem with this, with this one, is it is so loose that uh, like if you, if you let, if you let, you have to keep an iron grip on the barrel or bad things will happen because it just it it, it creeps, it it creeps. Like if you I,
2: if you have, I am literally, I need duct tape for my
1: mouth. <laughs> If you if you have this if you if you have this puppy on a tripod and it's it's not pointing up, if it's Uh,
4: our dirty little minds is just rolling a mile a minute, but I'm just too polite to use it.
1: Let let's let's just say it's it can be tricky to keep it exactly where you want. Um... Rubber bands,
3: (laughs) rubber bands. So so what you're saying is if it's if it's pointing up, if I if I can picture this correctly. You're trying to, let's say you're trying to shoot something in the trees. This is just to get an idea of what everybody's thinking. So you point it up, and there's two different types of this barrel zoom that John's talking about. There's one where the lens actually extends, and there's one where it's all done internally, and when you slide the barrel out, it extends. And so basically, when the lens is pointing up, the lens actually gets smaller, or the barrel slides yeah. backwards. Well, just like the the, really sounds bad.
1: the the barrel is just so loose. Um, that's how, how loose is it, John? Well, it just
2: is there room when you mount it?
3: I really did try to get it back on track. I'm sorry,
1: guys. And here am I being here I am being the good guy for a change. Um, I think what I did I'm going to end this This segment Which is going to make it into CCR legend
2: I think my zoom lens Is longer than yours
1: (laughs) It's It it all depends on how you use it I
2: think we should compare barrel length
1: Yeah (laughs)
2: It's definitely <laughs> thicker than mine.
1: Well, I'm not going to grab yours to check. Uh, oh God!
2: Okay,
3: I'll, I'll let's just say, reel it
1: in now. I'll, I'll just say that this—if I would—I would not pay cult, le- cult lens prices for this lens because it's not as good as some people have it is or say it is. But if you can get it like for fifty, sixty, seventy bucks, it uh, it can be a lot of fun and optically, it's pretty good. Yeah, now I'm going to just crawl under a table.
2: Oh boy! <laughs> uh, this is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
4: Well, and you um, thought I was the straight laced one. <laughs> uh, well,
0: um, I have um, a pair of lenses, and um, they came to me with a um, the um, really the start of the um, autofocus era for um, cameras, the uh, Minolta Maxim Seven Thousand and when i wanted to put together a two lens kit these were the two lenses and i'm of course talking about the um the uh, 35 to 70 and the uh, appropriately named for this table a beer can um the 72 uh 210
3: that's a well regarded lens that beer can
0: these are true sleeper lenses i think
4: more like legend would call it uh, i've heard good things and i'm not really a maxim shooter so yeah
3: i've I've heard of nothing but good things on that beer can i've i've seen people yeah it's it's about the size it's about the size
0: of a tall boy yeah um and uh what i really like is that it covers that really great range from the slightly wider than normal slightly wider than normal to a decent telephoto quite easily. Um, when you pair them with a 7000, the autofocus is, can be at best described as lazy.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: But because um, because of the way the autofocus works in the um, A-series lenses, I could put these onto a Maxim 7, and they are so snappy. It is... It is it is great to think that these are these aren't early early model um production because they don't have the crossed x logo on them um so it's after the um Exxon mobile suit against Minolta for uh, that little snafu um but again, they are a great pairing if you want to get into the um the Minolta Maxim series of cameras optically stunning, super sharp. Um, They are a little slow with only a maximum aperture of F4, but that's constant. So it's basically like the Canon L series that has the F4 constant aperture. So if you really want to do this, I'd pair it with a fast prime as well. Um, Super easy to uh, mount on and off the camera. Both lenses have macro functionality as well, which adds to that. And they'll work on any Sony D S L R as well because they're A mount.
3: Yeah, that's that's where that beer can really, really shines. Yeah, I've exactly. seen a lot of Alpha shooters with that on there. Yep. And they swear by that lens because it's for one. It's optically amazing. Yep. And it's cheap as chips in comparison to a brand new one.
0: Absolutely. You can get um probably the pair of them for about one hundred and hundred and fifty. Yeah. In change, if you uh, find the right deal on them, so I definitely want to upgrade my uh, Maxim body in the near future. Get rid of the seven thousand. Great Look. camera. Um, but again, I just want something with a little bit more snappy in the autofocus.
3: Like a nine thousand, or even going like a Minolta nine, or
0: yeah, Maxim seven. I'd really like one of yeah, those. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. That <laughs> wouldn't be bad at all. Well. Sticking on the Minolta theme, um, Bill has an older manual focus uh, Minolta, which is also a fantastic
4: um, F4 constant. Okay, so John brought to the table his Series E 75-150, 3.5. I have here sort of, a, I would say, the last iteration of the Minolta MD mount. It's a constant F4 aperture, 75-150. to 150. It's like the same focal length as the Olympus 75-150 to 150 F4. But we're talking about the Minolta one here. It is the same vintage as the Minolta X370, 570, and X700 series of cameras. Although you can mount it very easily on an XD11, XD5, the XD whatever from the late 70s, all the way right down to your Minolta SRT without a hassle. So what's special about this lens? Um, I, I, was, I got it as a Christmas present. And I really didn't shoot much. And then in last fall, I took it with me for the Toronto Film Shooters Photo Walk to Toronto Island. I was shooting color film, of course, because it's fall colors. Why would you shoot black and white on a fall color meetup? And I pulled the 75 to 150 out because I wanted one of those sort of vanishing point shots. And I wanted to play with it a little bit. And I was blown away at what I got. The optics on this. Now, for those who are in the know with Minolta, they had a partnership with Leica with their R series cameras and lenses. This is the lens Leica should have slapped an R mount on why they didn't. Nobody knows, but it gives you a Leica quality glass at a price point that is very easy on your pocketbook. When would I use this lens? If you're traveling, but you really don't need a 200 millimeter focal length, um, uh, mostly urban environments you don't really need more than 150 millimeters anyway it's great for portraiture f4 is i wouldn't call it super fast but it's reasonably quick it's sort of a speed walking like jogging kind of uh, pace uh the construction is really good and again um Again like a quality glass and a Minolta MD mount so the Minolta fans in our studio audience uh, and you're shooting Minolta MC or MD mount you really should take a good look at this lens and I what I also like about it is even just the quality of the lens hood is um, like Minolta went to town with this and I really like how the the clip the clips work on it so again yeah a, a lens I really would highly recommend if you're a Minolta manual focus shooter.
0: Um, Now we're getting into um, a third-party lens and just as equally (coughs) um, incredible, and that would be the Vivitar, but not just any Vivitar, Vivitar Series 1.
3: It has to be the Series 1.
4: Oh, yes, the Series 1. I have them in um, Olympus OM, Canon FD, and now, most recently, a Nikon AI mount, they are Vivitar for those who are not familiar with the company or are vaguely familiar, but really didn't give it much thought. Uh, there were a, an American firm based out of California. Uh, they were sort of a marketing uh, they did their, they sometimes designed their own equipment and, uh, contracted out manufacturing. Sometimes they acted as sort of a. I a, a, I gotta say they rebranded on behalf of other manufacturers and sold it. Uh, so they partnered with Kiran at some point in the late 60s, early 70s, and they were selling Kiran lenses, like the 28 millimeter fixed, um, uh, the, the the prime lens is actually a good example of that. It's actually a really neat lens.
3: The 28-25, that's, exactly. what, that's what a what sweet sleeper lens that is. So
4: around 1974, uh, Vivitar decided, because again, the manufacturers are coming out with their own proprietary telephoto zoom lenses, but there were... Some were great, some weren't quite so great. Vivitar decided, okay, we're just gonna book some time on a supercomputer and we're gonna design a professional quality uh, telephoto zoom lens that working pro photographers would love and sell it at a price that everyone could live with. And they succeeded, and then some, cause working pros bought them up like crazy. Uh, it is not a light lens. Uh, yeah, you know, you couple it to an f two, you're guaranteed. You, you probably. I would su- strongly suggest booking some time with a personal trainer at your local uh, gym. But on the upshot, is they're they're a very well built lens. They have a built in macro function to it. Uh, I have shot with it with my knicker Mat recently, and you can see the results on my Ficker page uh, at Bill Smith One. If you want to find it. Uh, t- t- you probably want. I, I would highly recommend looking for a lens hood. The proprietary lens hood is made of collapsible rubber. It's not like your typical flimsy rubber contraption. It's actually quite heavy duty, and it's a clip. It's sort of a a clip on the outside. Failing that, you can probably find an aftermarket, made in China, metal lens hood. Uh, you want probably want to find. Um, I think the one I have is the Kiron made, which is sixty-seven millimeters. So the big thing with Series 1, you want to look for the early lenses. Uh, it, it, so if you're thinking, well, okay, well, how does that all work? Well, the ideally, you want to find one that starts with the uh, numbers 22. 22 denights that it was made by Kiran. Right afterwards, the next best one is Tokina. Uh, you can tell the difference between the two. Uh, the Tokina, I believe, has a 62-millimeter di- filter diameter, whereas the Kiron has 67 uh it is a i'm gonna say a hefty lens but it also replaces uh the focal lengths from basically uh, 70 to 200 millimeters and then some and it's a reasonably quick three and a half uh aperture uh, it's built like a tank it also has macro included with it which is nice to have and um By and large, you're getting something that will probably almost dust some original manufactured equipment lenses out there. So, yeah, it's worth looking into. And the big bonus is these lenses, you can find a decent one. If you shop smart, and I got lucky with my Nikkor AI mount one, I paid, I think, about $50 at Burlington Camera. Now, online, the Nikon mounted series one telephotos are going to go a little closer to $100. Uh, if you're looking at Canon FD, you're looking at closer to 50 And Olympus, it, usually it's around the $50 amount uh, dollar mark if you're looking for something other than nikon nikon's a little bit more because uh it's, it can, nikon. it's nikon Nikon digital shooters can slap it on their can uh, their systems and, and just run away with it so yeah if your canon f d is a sort of an affordable alternative to the eighty to two hundred f four even non l lens like the 80 to 200 F4 L glass goes for I don't know $300 these days at
3: least if not more
4: Yeah and I'd love an 80 to 200 F4 but why would I now cuz I got a Vivitar series 1 at home So yeah I would uh, highly recommend looking for one of these again they're yeah you know, if you've got you know you, you do have to Put some time in at the gym if you want to be comfortable with it, and some systems like the Olympus OM1, it might be a little weird. But yeah, it's yeah that would definitely throw off the balance. Yeah, yeah it's you kind of have to sort of make that judgment call. But otherwise, the the optics from it are amazing.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Canon, um, yeah, you uh, have some Canon shooters. Oh,
3: I've I've I love my uh, my one lens. This this one telephoto zoom that I've got well it's actually a wide angle wide angle short telephoto the uh 35105 right. with 3.5 constant now the funny thing is is that it's not an L series lens yet I've I've had some phenomenal absolutely phenomenal results out of this lens it is tack sharp it is great at all focal lengths now there are there are some minor downfalls to it it's it's heavy the front elements also very very big and
4: what's the de- filter diameter on this bad boy it's
3: a six sixty-two 62 or 67 millimeter i think that's at the small side though i think it might be a bit bigger thing might be a 72 mil
4: oh wow it's,
3: it is big it is not yeah 72 millimeter filter size and it's heavy i mean we're looking at almost a pound and a half in for the barrel 600 grams and Using it on a lighter camera, say like an AE-1 or something along those lines, it throws it off balance um i use it on my t90 on a regular basis i use it on my a1 now when i really find the balance is correct it's when i have it on my a1 with the motor drive and that really really sets the balance nicely for this lens but it is heavy and it is fairly long even at 35 it's not this is not a compact zoom in any way shape or
4: would form. you still use it for travel
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it gives you all the focal lengths that you could work with. It gives you thirty, the 35mm focal length, and you can get a short zoom out of it up to 105mm, which is phenomenal for portrait, street photography. Alex is well-known for his street photography going around with a Nikon 105F2. Is it 2 or F2.5? 2. F2. So, yeah, the 105F2. He. I've seen him more often than not going out shooting street at that focal length. So this one gives you it. And at the 3.5 aperture all the way through from 35 all the way 105, it's it's really, really a lovely Last lens, considering
4: so again. I also shoot <coughs> Canon FD as well as Nikon. Um, what's the mark? <laughs> the market value for a decent one, like a, I assume they made them in both breech lock mount and the FD.
3: They only came in the new FD. That's it. That's oh, the, the new FD only mount way from it came from okay. the 80s. So when it locks on, it actually feels like it locks on. It's a well-built lens. It has uh, it has a macro switch, so it allows close, really good close focus. And the one thing that I really do like about it is the barrel is... I can't believe I'm going back down this route. It is fairly tight, so you don't get the you don't get the the uh, the, the creep, creep when uh, when you point it up. It doesn't get a little bit smaller, and when it goes down, it doesn't get strangely longer. It wants to reach the ground. No, I find that this lens doesn't really do that. <laughs> there is one minor niggling thing with this one lens, and this is all over the web. You can find tons of problems with it is infinity focus there's just something about it you have to I don't know if it's been over the years but you have to slide the um, the skin cover off the barrel very gently so you don't stretch it and you have to take out a, a couple of screws in the barrel so you can fix infinity on it yeah it's it's really unfortunate but I must say there's one good thing at least this one doesn't have. Right? <laughs> I
0: was thinking that. It is a lens I was bris. thinking that, but I didn't say it. <laughs> there's Donna's one in the corner
1: good thing. Laughing to death. No, no, there's... it's it's time to be a bit circumspect.
3: Yes. There is one good thing at least it does not have. Hide your lenses, guys. Hide your
2: lenses. I, I don't understand. Every time Mike talks about barrel length, Donna has his little chuckle all the time. <laughs> Emphasis, she, em- she, can't, she, can't, she can't. She can't. She can't control on, herself from laughing. Hey, emphasis on little. He thought like, the same thing. <laughs> Come on. Emma. Lovely. Oh boy.
3: Well, at least it doesn't have the built-in lens hood that, when you lean it forward, well, it we were, just like falls at forward. At least we were like. well behaved for about twelve minutes. Then. Yeah. So no. this one, <laughs> this one's already had the um, had the, the <laughs> built-in lens hood removed. So, surgi- it's definitely not surgically. It was just never happened.
2: Oh, boy. An extra piece
3: on the lens we didn't need, apparently. I got nothing.
0: Well, (laughs) continuing on the uh, theme of cannons. (laughs)
3: Thanks. (laughs) Look at the size of that cannon. That's what she said. That looks like a thumper. (laughs)
2: Boom.
3: Yeah, so... I'm sure that one doesn't
2: fit in your pocket. (laughs) I've got a couple... uh pieces of equipment to talk about here first That's one what we call it. the first one is uh the canon i'm actually going to talk canon good god somebody shoot me it doesn't um, even fit in his hand uh,
0: sorry i left the musket at
4: home oh god so what i have you here something is something a little more modern than a musket <laughs> oh
2: geez is it is a canon um uh it's an fd mount 100 to 300 uh l series uh zoom lens with a fixed aperture of 5.6 uh really good lens um it is an external uh focusing lens um uh with the sliding uh uh, barrel for the zoom so there again uh it seems to be quite the topic for discussion today but zoom creep so this lens is gosh it's it's almost a foot long actually uh fully extended um (laughs) oh god um so it is rather heavy it's clunky it's slow uh i mean it's a good lens don't get me wrong it it performs well um well it's not meant for just throwing around and beating anything with you don't you make
3: sure that you know what you're pointing it at before you point it at oh it oh my god wow <laughs> we are going to the get emails so much hate are <laughs> just
2: going to be insane on this one you
3: have to know what you're shooting before you push the button anyway
2: uh the lens itself, it's, it's, look, it's a, it's a good, it's it's a well-made lens of, you know, having the red ring L series moniker around it. Um, usually the L, yeah, usually red around the ring is usually a bad sign, isn't it? It doesn't itch and burn, so uh, <laughs> so it's probably good for now. Um, and uh, anyway, good Lord, can we just get back on track here? At least you didn't uh, get pink eye from this one. Oh, geez. Um, the lens itself, uh, it's it's quite heavy because it's got 15 elements in 10 groups. So there's a lot of glass in this this barrel. Um, angle of view, 24 degrees um, uh, uh, to eight degree, at uh, like between eight and 15 feet. Um, highest aperture is uh, F32 um, uh, with a uh, 5.6 opening uh, throughout. Um, you know what, it's a good uh, telephoto lens. Um, I honestly, I'm not a huge fan of it because of the lens creep and the weight. So even with a battery grip um, or a winder, rather on my uh, F1N, which is a newer F1N, the balance is still um, it's still a little bit nose heavy. So yeah. um, especially when it's fully extended, um, this lens minimum focusing is two feet. Um, it does have a macro setting as well, that's which is fairly con- which, close be for... uh, yeah, the two feet is yeah. impressive actually for a 100 to 300. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that is. Yeah. So, you know, you're awesome. getting, you know, essentially three times, uh, zoom there. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good, uh, from that perspective and, you know, considering you have to consider the era in which this thing was, was manufactured as well. So this would likely be early eighties, um, FD mount lens, um, yep. you know, uh, the, the main drawback is, is, is really the zoom creep and the weight, but, yeah. uh, and, and of course, it's slow. It's 5.6. Um, you know, so if you're going to be shooting anything with it, it'll be on a tripod. One of the other things um, that I don't like about it, and this is typical of the era of these types of lenses, is there is no tripod um, bracket on a lens that's this long. So all yeah, the way you'd have to go and get the separate collar Yeah, like there's no collar. The clamp-on yeah, collar. Yeah. So you, you but then you'd have to put it on the barrel, so you got to be very careful <laughs> if you're doing that because the whole barrel slides back and forth like this. Um, so uh, you can just picture what I'm doing right now. Um, anyway. Hi, yes. <laughs> Moving on to our good friends in uh, at the Nikon factory this is a Nikon uh, 28 to 85 um, variable uh, aperture 3.5 to 4.5 lens um, this is another sleeper lens in the Nikon lineup uh, extremely sharp corner to corner at all uh, focal lengths very little barrel distortion um, great all-round travel lens um, uh, it's basically the predecessor to the 24 to 85, uh, 2.8, I believe, or the 2.8 or 3.5 to 4.5 mm. uh, modern lens, which actually, um, this one, this version, the 28 to 85, um uh, uh, AF, uh, like D version basically is, uh, uh outperforms the newer 24 to 85 optically handy. Yeah,
1: that's
3: it's what funny I've heard. Be- uh, sorry, Alex. I'm, it's funny because that that focal length 2880 2885 even 2890 that seems like the the most basic kit lens focal length and yep. oh, I absolutely. have always been Really impressed with the with the results I've gotten yeah. out of those kit lenses. Well, they like, are phenomenal yeah. lenses.
2: I mean, if you pair this up with like an F one hundred or one, you know, one of the cameras in that lineup. Well, even an even yeah. well, they, F4. F four, F yeah, F four. I mean, it's even just, an N twenty twenty would be well, nice. Like on any it. anything from you know, like the mid eighties to late nineties version of Nikon uh, AF film cameras. It's it's a terrific uh, lens to have in your collection and. At at a a purchase price, um, if you can find find them still, like they're they should be fairly common actually. But I haven't shopped for one in a long time. But you can get these starting around two hundred dollars, oh, yeah. two hundred to four hundred for okay. a, for a real minty one. So
4: yeah, that was the question I was going to ask. Um, well, while my N90s finally gave up the ghost, it uh, it bricked on me a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. That's uh, unfortunate. I, I, I do have a very <clears throat> minty Nikon F4 that, well, a lens like that would be perfect, because I've got yeah. a, a telephoto lens that's, you know, that covers the other end of it, and uh, it'd be a perfect two-lens kit for it.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the anywhere like, say, 24 to 85, uh, you know, 28, 20, 24, 28, whatever, 24 is really a big product of the digital era. Uh, yeah. Modern zooms, but um, with the APS-C sensors, but, you know, 28-85, 28-105, those yeah. are your go-to kit yeah. lenses. Um, you know, like if if you're going to be traveling and you want to conserve weight and obviously room and you don't want to be, you know, so let's say you're in uh, less than desirable shooting conditions, you don't want to be popping lenses on and off your camera. No, You know, um, that's... I yeah. could see a
4: 28 to 85 or a 28 to 105 Nikkor lens. The, say, if you're traveling to say to New York City or London, and you only want to pack one camera, one lens. Yep. That would be it. That yeah, would be
3: it yeah, for sure.
2: And, and this one, and it even has a macro setting if you want to get up yeah. close and personal too. So,
4: yep. even yeah, better. Everything you could ever want.
2: I, on my EF system, I love my 28
3: 105. That is such a great, great combo for focal length. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, I, it's just
2: awesome. And yeah.
3: They're they're great lenses like yeah. kit lenses. Actually, I'm, they they're so oh, looked down yeah. upon and they shouldn't be. They are no. phenomenal, Even phenomenal like lenses.
2: modern there's a modern uh, G lens out there that I'm after getting. Nikon doesn't make anymore, which is the 24 to uh, 120 yes. f4, um, which you can pick up for around 400 bucks yep. on the used market, which is also an incredible like big like big glass like you know 77 millimeter filter ring like big glass. Uh, Feel to it absolutely, Um, and I really want that to sit in front of my um, my F six. That would look that would look awesome on you. That
3: would be perfect.
2: Yep, absolutely. Now,
0: in the past, we have uh, shit talked a lot of um, films, um, Ilford Delta four hundred, but more specifically, we shit talked Fomapan four hundred. Well, I did that in error because I um, I shot quite a bit of Foam Pan 400. And you know what? It's not a bad film. And I think Bill Smith would definitely
4: agree. Well, yeah. it's uh, And again, it was it one of look. those... I remember the conversations floating around. We have uh, just a little bit inside baseball. We have a sort of a private Facebook uh, messenger. messenger group that we sort of bash ideas around and... Again, I've seen the whole Pan, and part of me was sort of like, okay, you know what, I just want to sort of say, just an intellectual exercise of my own. I'll grab like a 8 to 10 rolls of Fomapan 400 and see if I can't crack the code of this this film. Mm. So I wound up shooting with it, and again, a lot of people say it's not really a true 400-speed film, and I'll get to that later. So I sort of exposed around 200, 250 ISO, and I processed an HC-110. And I got some really great tonality out of it. Yes, there's some grain there, but it's kind of like a retro sort of like 70s to early 80s Kodak Tri-X grain.
0: I was about to say it is, if you like the early if you like the Tri-X formulation from the 1970s and Foam 400. Like the
2: 320 uh, Tri-X? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you kind of shoot it around the same <laughs> speed, too. You You really want to shoot it
0: um, at 200 to 250. Um... I love the look of it at 250 in Kodak D23, which is the slower cousin of D76, but we'll get into that in a later episode. And I recently Um,
4: processed some in D76, and I loved what I got out of that. It was just uh, some winter scenes around Inglewood, Ontario.
0: Yep. Um, But if you do want to shoot it at box speed, 400, there is one developer that you need to use. T Max developer. Oh, yes, T Max. Yeah, it will sing. Interesting. And well, that FOMA is because of the semi um, compensating nature yeah. of the T Max developer. And again, later episode will explain that a little bit more. But no, seriously, <laughs> if you want an inexpensive, fast film that gives you a really retro look to things, then FOMA Pan 400 is definitely for you. And a lot of people also shit on Fomapan 200. And Mike, on the other hand, I thinks I the don't. stuff is the bee's knees. I
3: I love the stuff. I There's... usually shit out <clears throat>
2: Fomapan 200.
3: <laughs> I've actually. Had I want to some... get that looked at. <clears throat> it's
2: all burning uh, when you pee thing too. That's the red ring.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've had a lot of good luck with Fomapan 200. I don't know why. Maybe it's just. I just I really don't care about my results all that much, or I'm not as critical on my final results with the film. I like to see a nice solid negative. But the one thing that that I've noticed with it, and this is this has been, it's always been me, my and uh, my buddy Larry Dressler, him and I. We've we've gone back and forth, beaten the hell out of so many different films, and FOMA 200 actually is one of them that we've beaten the living hell out of a few times. And one of the things that we we do is we overexpose it. That's one of the really big key things with Foma films. And the funny thing is, Foma two hundred. If you notice that on the box, it says creative. Now, the reasoning for that, it's actually it's a classic uh, crystal emulsion and a T grain hybrid. So that does lead to a little bit of um, well, that the,
0: explains everything. Yeah
3: exactly that that's the whole point they've gotten a lot better with their formulation. Their early stuff was an abysmal nightmare. Take a look at uh f p p s what is it their f p p two hundred yeah the b w two hundred is yeah. a surveillance variant of FOMA and that, that was the old classic FOMA 200 look. It was very grainy. It was tough that, to work was with. Was that the
2: original formulation? That was closer the, to the original like the, formulation. The, yeah. the cubic and
3: T-grain combo? Yes. It, hmm, it interesting. Was, it was, it's a nasty film, but... When you when you master it, you can get some really really nice results. Well, you know that would explain
2: probably why it performs very well in TMax, right? Because like different developers have um, various um, reducing. Uh, additives in it, so reducers yeah. within the developer, and and the problem is, is with the difference between t grain and cubic grain. So a cubic grain tends to balloon a little bit, yep. and requires a little bit more of a reducing action to maintain sharpness. Um, so maybe it's the Tmax developer that you know has that yeah uh, that reducing quality along with the compensating qualities of the you know. So if you're dealing with two two separate grain types, like tabular being a little bit more tighter. Uh, huh? Interesting. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's it is an interesting
3: film. It takes a little bit of patience
2: to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I've
3: got a few more rolls. Well, I just in I just
2: I just got a free roll for well, not a free roll, but a uh, uh, to celebrate Chinese New Year. Downtown yep. camera, yeah, <laughs> was giving, so, uh, selling off these things. So uh, selling off these little film packs, and I got a. FOMA 200. So you've inspired me both to shoot 400 and to try 200. Yeah. So. Well,
3: I, I with your 200, I'd highly recommend going big. Like when I'm saying going big, I mean, take the, the camera that you get your biggest uh, usable negative that you don't mind using mm-hmm. and go out with it. If it's okay. a 6x6, six six, do it. Get your biggest negative that you can. Well, I like to be wined and dined in 6x9. <laughs> there so. we go, because that's what it goes through in my baby. <laughs> my Super <laughs> Iconta, she's only got eyes for you.
4: <laughs> so question, um, what's your preferred developer? with uh, FOMA Pan 200, Mike?
3: FOMA Pan 200, it's, it's funny because I've actually gone from developer to developer and one of the biggest ones that I really seem to get focused on with uh, FOMA Films, as weird as it is, is a combination of either using doll. as I know, it's, it's weird, Bill's eyes just like how developers X-Dol. and
4: Mike? Like am I, am I just a revised sign of the apocalypse here? Right.
3: I've got all these little water bottles of doll sitting in my little cabinet in my dark room, and I just cracked one open and ran a roll of Foma 100 this morning through it at uh, one to one. I rated it at 50, although. The aperture was a little sticky in the camera, something to do with uh, the cold at minus 15, I think, It kind yeah, of sucks. Right. And so it was a little slow. So some of my images are a little hot, per se. But no, in X it really, really sings. I love FOMA in X like whether it's mm. 400, 100, 200, looks fantastic. T Max is another one. And then Rodinol. Yeah, Believe it or not, I really like FOMA from 100 through to 400 in Rodinol. I've,
4: I've never tried 400 in, in Rodinol. I've used 400 in HC-110, um, X-Tall, which is, again, I'm a big fan of x and, of course, uh, T-Max, which was Alex's suggestion. and I found I got that speed bump with that, and yeah. I, mean, I, I started, used that a lot last year, and, of course, of course I finished my bottle of X-Tall, so, of course... I gotta rate the film a little slower now, but that's okay because I'm rolling with HC110 and I got some ID11 kicking around. So that's that's what I'm rolling with. There's
3: nothing wrong with that. HC110 is a fantastic developer, but whenever I've done it in Rodnall, one of the really key things that I that has worked for me, and I used to wonderfully go around jokingly and say that uh, I'm a member of the Church of Rodnall and all that, but it's slow. Slow agitations with Rodinol. Mm. Takes a little bit of yep. extra time in the tank. Slow agitations. Rate your film at least one to two thirds stops slower. Yep. Mm. And you will get some results with Rodinol that are mind blowing.
0: Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, based on the content, I really got nothing else to say <laughs> but just keep your stick on the ice. Oh, boy.
4: Bill Smith from Classic Hammer Revival. Yeah, just shoot tons of film and come out to one of our meetups if you're rolling around the GTA. Yeah,
3: it's Mike Pataxi, the CCR. And remember, if your lens has one of those slide-out uh, lens hoods, remember to pull them back to clean around the ring. You can collect a lot of dirt. Oh, my God.
2: This is Donna Taxi. Get out there, start shooting, and uh, be creative. This is James Lee. Grab your barrels and cock your shutters. Grab a zoom lens and get up close
1: and personal. Oh, come on. That's just a perv lens you're holding. This is John Meadows. The last word about zoom creeps. What is it about zooms that brings out the creeps? (laughs) Nice. We'll get letters.